Redesigned. This idea of what is success, you know, how does someone become successful? Well, it always starts with them having a vision for the future. They have this vision of the way they want the world to be. That's not how it is now. Whether it's they, you know, starts with having a, a business or some a better raise or something about it, you know, a job in their job. Then about having a nicer home, more money to spend. Money just meaning to have freedom to do the things they really want to do, to protect their family, to give to a church, a temple, to be to be generous, whatever it might be, right? But it always starts with you know you're you're here, you're somewhere, right? In the present, and then you have this idea of like I see the world better for myself and the people around me. That's my vision. For for the future, and the question really is: is how do you connect the dots? How do you go from this place to that place, right? And one of the cornerstone strategies for that is being able to persuade, to influence, to make your thoughts known in a way that empowers people and gets you what you want too. And and here's the irony: is that most people don't have a compelling vision for their own future. They don't. They move through life. Setting goals, but then all of a sudden, you know, you set goals, and sometimes you hit them, sometimes you don't. Most, most times you don't. Okay, and that's okay. But goals almost became a, like a synonym for like, oh, I'm going to set a goal, and who gives a shit what really happens afterwards? And it, it almost is synonymous with failure now. Goal setting. There's something above, and I believe in setting goals, but there's got to be something above your goals, and that's your vision for the future. And it's not just about. It doesn't have like an ending point. It's about the world being a certain way. And that's inspiring to you. When you when you truly have a vision for your future that inspires you, you're gonna jump up out of bed in the morning and feel great. Every human being is thirsty for a vision. Everyone is, and so few people have one. So what do they do? They gravitate towards someone who has a vision for the future because they want to be a part of a vision. Part of being a great entrepreneur is having that vision, being able to create the vision, and then sell that vision. To other people, to get them to want to be inspired, to buy into it, but it always comes back to persuasion. Because if you have the vision, but you know you can't sell it, what happens? You know, you so-called you die with your music still on your lips. Redesigned. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Redesign Podcast. And that was your Monday morning motivation from Jordan Belfort, none other than the Wolf of Wall Street. Good film, also one of my favorite films in the last maybe five, ten years. Definitely a future Scorsese classic. But yeah, this is episode 42. Back to school this week. All the parents can rejoice. So what have we got in store for this week's podcast? Nike are releasing trainers that can tie their own shoelaces with an app. Should mobile phones be banned in schools? Would you pay £10 to go to a dedicated selfie factory? We're going to talk about the rise of Instagram exhibits. Plus, I've got my kids on the podcast this week. We have a chat about the olden days, as they would put it, and their thoughts about life before the internet, tablets and smartphones. All of that and more coming up after the intro. Are you sure you can blame it on social media? Flexing is good for business. Spending money makes you money. Bitcoin down more than 30% this week. Redesigned. You've got to put in the effort every single day. Running a business isn't for everyone. They need role models and not just movie stars and athletes. We are the digital influencers. They're creating content. There's no denying the power of digital media, but it also poses a real challenge. Welcome back to another episode of the Redesign Podcast. This is episode 42. My name is Andrew, also known as Mr. Kate Box. 
Don't forget if you want to get involved in the conversation, don't forget to chime in using the hashtag on Twitter, RedesignedPod. And if you want to follow on the socials as well, you can follow the Instagram account, RedesignedPod, all one word. And you can follow me personally as well on Instagram and Twitter. That's mainly where I hang out at Andrew underscore CBX. So without further ado, let's crack on with this week's podcast. According to the BBC, half of all parents want mobile phones banned in schools. What do you think about that? Me personally, primary school, yes, I can see. Why would a primary school child have a mobile phone? Why? Secondary school, it's a little bit different. They're going to be going to and from school by themselves. Mobile phones are no longer seen as a luxury as they once were when we were kids. Well, I don't know about you. I don't know how old you are when I was a kid. A mobile phone was definitely a luxury. It was almost like a status symbol. So it's very different now. And I definitely don't think that mobile phones should be banned in secondary school. At the end of the day, they've got to learn how to be adults and they need to learn when it's appropriate to use it and when it's not appropriate to use it. I can kind of see why they would want to ban them in schools, obviously because of distraction, social media, maybe the, p- the possibility of online bullying or looking at inappropriate content. Like it's so easy to get hold of inappropriate stuff on phones and it's very discreet as well. Whereas before it was so bait, you had your boy with a, a copy of Escort in the backpack, you know, actually I might delete that. Bruh. But yeah, let's jump to a couple of new snippets highlighting the issue and uh, it'd be nice to get your thoughts as well chime in on the hashtag redesign pod let me know what do you think do you think mobile phones should be banned in schools why or why not culture secretary matt hancock has said not only should phones be banned in schools the kids should have to hand them in on the way into school claiming that they cause a distract oh sorry claiming that they cause a dist i think a lot of people think it's an obvious uh, decision don't yeah. allow mobile phones in schools but surely teachers are under a lot of pressure how do they police that the, the situation is very simple most head teachers that i know ban mobile phones certainly i did when i was a head teacher in east london but some don't and uh, when i was at ofsted we brought out a very important report called under the radar which said that low level disruption in schools is a curse yeah, I would and, agree that and, it and it's 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 children arriving late to lessons, chatting in class, passing notes notes around, mm. and mobile phones going off can in I class. Add, can I and add that's to that? why good head teachers ban mobile. Yeah. Some don't. Some indulgent head teachers, some who want to take the least line of resistance with, with parents, don't do that. From smartphones to tablets, it seems like everyone has one these days, including kids. But are they a help? or a hindrance. Well, in France, students under the age of 15 are no longer allowed to use their phones during the school day. That means no browsing the web or checking social media feeds. But not everyone's on board. Some argue that phones are actually a valuable teaching resource. So are they a good tool for learning or too much of a distraction? Well, to discuss that, joining me on set, we have Luciano Meloni. He's an Italian teacher at the Liceo Italiano School in Istanbul. And with him is Duru Aiguven, who's a student at the same school. And completing our panel is Richard Murphy. He's an assistant professor at the Department of Economics at the University of Texas in Austin. Thanks, all of you, for joining us. Richard Murphy, let, let me begin with you. Do you support what the French are doing? Put those phones away. We're in school. 
let's, let's not have these kids go down that rabbit hole of distraction? Well, uh, we did research in the UK that was looking at what happened when schools banned mobile phones. And that we found that after schools that banned mobile phones, the test scores of kids in those schools improved more than in schools that didn't ban phone use. And what's interesting is these gains in test scores, and these test scores were important scores. These were scores that happened at the end of high school, so they're important for where kids go to university. These gains were mostly driven by students at the low end of the ability distribution. Mm -hmm. Kids at the top, kids who were doing fine before, were doing fine after the ban. But we really saw gains in student test scores amongst those that um, were near the bottom of the test score distribution. Right. I think it's a bit harsh, in fairness, to ban mobile phones entirely. I think that there's a need for it in the society we live in now. I think it's important that children have access to speak to their parents if needs be, but not in classrooms. I think that's fair. Let me know what you think. Um, should they be banned? I personally think that they shouldn't be banned. They should be allowed to carry them. Maybe not to be used on the school premises, but they shouldn't be, like, you know, completely banned. You know, as, you know, it's a good thing to have on your way to school, on your way back from school in case of emergencies, to let your parents know where you are and stuff like that. It's a luxury we never had. Well, some of us had, but like nowadays, it's so easy to get in contact with your child, like, and things like tracking and GPS. Like, I'm sure it will prevent a lot of, you know, problems with kids going missing and stuff like that. But yeah, I get where the head teacher's talking about in terms of disruption and distraction. Yeah, totally get it. But hey, this is the world that we, we live in now. I remember when I was in secondary school, I think I was like year, what year was I in? I think I was year nine, year nine or year 10. And back in the day, yeah, like even, t even people that were not teachers, staff that were not teachers, they had power, you know? They actually had power. Like it's not like now where like even your teachers, like you could just talk to them anyhow. Like back in the day, they had power. I think I just got my new Ericsson 388 and I was like swanning around the front desk. I think I was just passing through and I had the phone in my hand and then the receptionist told me, you're not supposed to have that in school. And I tried to get a little bit lippy, innit? <laughs> so she was like, give me your phone. Give me your phone now. I was like, what? She's like, give me the phone now, otherwise I'm gonna put you on report. I was like, how can a receptionist put you on report? I was like, do you know what? Yeah, my my ego was in tatters. I was I was very, I felt very fragile, very emasculated. And I had to actually hand over my phone. And she kept the phone for the entire day. And um, yeah, I don't know if that would happen now because I don't know. I'm not saying kids are bad. I just feel like the adults these days, they don't know. I don't think adults are as empowered as they once were. But I'm old as shit anyway, so it doesn't matter. This was back in like 1997, 98. Yeah, the good old, olden days. Um, we'll be talking about the olden days at some point during this podcast. As I said before, I had a little chat with my two kids uh, on the pod. We'll be getting to that a little bit later. But before that, let's move on to the next segment. Things that make you go, hmm. Did you know that Nokia used to sell toilet paper? Mm-hmm. Toilet paper, tires, all kinds of crap. The company that eventually became Nokia was founded in Finland as a pulp mill company back in 1865. So 
<laughs> it wasn't until the 1980s they stopped doing everything else apart from mobile phones. So along with Motorola, Nokia helped pioneer the mobile industry back in the 1980s and 90s. And by 1998, Nokia was the largest mobile phone manufacturer in the world. So, yeah, bet you didn't know that. Hmm? New iPhones are going to be revealed this month on September the 10th. We're expecting another trio of new iPhones. Yeah, these are the ones with the three the free cameras on the back. You've probably seen mock-ups. You've probably seen them around on social media, floating around. But yeah, September the 10th, Apple are going to have another keynote. Uh, you can be very certain that I will cover this uh, the following week on the podcast. So hold tight for that. So apparently we're going to get the iPhone Pro. Reportedly, these new phones are going to have the ability to wireless charge your AirPods if you are lucky enough or rich enough to have AirPods Uh, and apparently they're going to have 5G connectivity as well so yeah if you're an Apple fan hold tight for that I'll definitely cover that in the podcast following the 10th of September not sure what date that would be but yeah just watch this space let's go for a quick break what we gonna do right here is go back way back back into time What you are about to see is not science fiction, it's Seiko Sport Tech. For the serious runner, an amazing multifunction training watch with detachable cable release. There's the world's first analog quartz chronograph. Seiko watches to time competition sports. And an incredible watch you talk to that talks back. Talks back. Seiko Sport Tech. Welcome to the 21st century. Seiko watches and clocks at your authorized dealer. Hello, Moto. So Nike have a technology called self-lacing adapt and it's not going to be long before we have the self-lacing Hirachis that can be controlled with either your Apple Watch or Siri. How sick is that? Welcome to the future. I don't know if I'll be rocking them, but I just think it's kind of it's kind of sick that you can actually do that. I mean, why would you want to be able to have your the process of tying your shoelaces automated i'm not sure why that would be a benefit um but yeah i've looked at it it looks like a interesting idea apparently for more serious athletes uh you have the option to tighten up your shoes or loosen them let's say for example if you're running or if you're on a treadmill whichever to give you like more grip if you're doing that kind of thing i don't know anything about that because me and the gym are not friends (laughs) i mean we should be but but that's for a different day um, if you're a fan of Hirachis, you might be disappointed because they don't really look like Hirachis. They don't look anything like Hirachis, in fact. Um, so the aesthetics might not be that pleasing. But yeah, apparently these are going to hit the shops on September the 13th. And you'll need the Nike app to operate it. And it's going to be priced at around $350. I don't know what the equivalent is going to be in UK pounds. Um, but yeah, happy days. I'm telling you, I did say, I did say a few episodes ago that wearables are going to be a real thing. So you're going to see a lot more wearable technology coming into the forefront. Let's see what happens. We are definitely living in interesting times. 
if you've ever been to Madame Two Swords, I haven't been since I was like seven or eight years old, but why would anyone pay money to look at wax statues? I mean, the idea of it just sounds boring. Like, look at celebrity replicas, wax replicas of celebrities. Like, why? I don't know. Maybe I should take a trip there and find out what the fuss is about. It's been in the West End from Wade. I don't even know how long Madame Two Swords has actually been there for. But it's definitely a tourist attraction. The fact that they're still there and the planetarium isn't there is very surprising. But I was online browsing and I came across this article about the selfie factory place in Westfield Shepherd's Bush is currently a pop-up so it's not going to be there indefinitely but um, it's a place where you can pay £10 an hour to take selfies in very specialised or themed rooms so um, like there's a ball pit there's different coloured walls there's a 1950s uh, diner and it was actually a business idea I had early last year and I thought to myself, wouldn't it be interesting if we could actually build spaces where you can take I mean, we're doing it anyway, so why wouldn't it why wouldn't it be a good idea to monetize that? I think a lot of people would care about it, especially wannabe influencers or maybe influencers themselves, like they would be interested in doing that kind of thing to get their their content looking a little bit more different um for the gram. Let's jump to a quick snippet and uh, let's explore this for a minute. Why anyone would want to pay to get into a dedicated Instagram space to take selfies. If you've run out of ideas for your Instagram, perhaps this place can help. I'm in the Selfie Factory, a pop-up shop in West London designed for Instagrammers and Snapchatters to get a quirky selfie. There's a big pink elephant, a wall full of donuts you can't eat even a 1950s-style diner. Now, this might not be everyone's idea of fun, but for founder Will Bauer, it's a solid business. People pay £10 to come in for an hour and fill their Instagram. I think people love the interactivity, most of all. There's loads of different things to touch, uh, write on. Now, I've heard it said that we're a generation that takes too many selfies, we're too vain. What do you make of the reaction online? We are a generation who takes selfies, and I think that is going to stick around whether the selfie factory is around or not. Uh, the selfie factory just improves the quality of uh, selfies, um, which will be taken anyway. Now, it's called the selfie factory. The factory, of course, is somewhere where things are mass-produced, all identical. Are we going to see Instagram flooded with all the same selfies now? We're seeing a lot of the, uh, the poses in here replicated. You know, people sticking their legs out of the bathtub or something in the air. You see that every day when you walk over there. But it's great to see people's creative takes on different environments because every photo is very different from the, the last one. I noticed a lot of people were asking for experiences and it really got me thinking about kind of this Instagram era. We kind of said, oh, well, wouldn't it be fun to get a bunch of artists and creatives together and kind of do this color experience. Color Factory is a 12,000 square foot color experience. If you've ever seen an installation like the Rain Room or the Infinity Mirrored Room, you know that social media can play a huge role in how we experience and interact with art. Now, some creators are flipping the script with a new category of installations made for Instagram. These exhibits take the design language and structure of a traditional art museum 
and add details like perfect lighting, or colorful backdrops, or interactive props that all translate really well to photos on social media. We can make a beautiful photo that um, will do very well on the internet, but it was really important to me that Color Factory was more than that. I kind of came down to three characteristics that I wanted each exhibit to have, ideally. One is I wanted it to be something that you normally didn't get to experience. So whether that's laying underneath, you know, 100 pounds of confetti falling down <laughs> on you or, you know, walking through a, a room full of ribbons. The second characteristic is we wanted it to have a concept behind it. Not to be just a pretty picture, but, you know, that there was some thought and some meaning. And then the third characteristic is we want it to be really photogenic. So we did want it to be make a really good Instagram. And there was a few um, decisions we had to make, like even with lighting, where maybe a warmer light would have felt better to like be there, but a wider light looks better on Instagram. So what's the difference between a space like this and, say, the rain room? Well, some would say there isn't one. The way we experience art today is, in many ways, through our phones. But others would draw a distinction between an installation where an artist has explored space and light and scale and mood in interesting ways, and something like the Color Factory or the Museum of Ice Cream, which is designed to be reproduced on Instagram as much as it is meant to be enjoyed in real life. have been examples in the US such as Color Factory, the Museum of Ice Cream, and there's there's a few others as well that have done done it quite well. I think when you limit it to just Instagram and influencers, I it works. Like all your pictures are all going to be the same. It's just I don't know. What do you think? I think the execution could be a lot better if I mean if I were doing it, I would have different themes in terms of sport, uh, maybe movie sets. Um, I kind of make it like a theme park or like an amusement park where you can actually learn things from the environments that you're in and there's a lot more thought into it. I think when you limit it to just selfies and Instagram, it then becomes a slippery slope of like, what is the whole point of this? Like, this is just another indication of how we're so self-absorbed that we want to be, I don't know, we're just a bunch of sheep. I don't know. Let me know what your thoughts are on actual Instagram factories or environments where you can actually, you know, take photos. I mean, I know where I would like to. I, I, I really would like to see like a boxing ring or something like that. That'd be interesting. Or maybe like, a, I don't know, maybe something from a movie set. That'd be really interesting. Do you pay to get into one? Is it something that would interest you? Do you think there should be more spaces like this in the UK? Chime in using the hashtag RedesignPod. So I had a little chat with the two munchkins as we are ending the summer holidays. We went to the Childhood Museum and there were a lot of old toys. I saw so many of my old toys when I was like a kid, when I was like five, six, seven and eight. And they were like, wow, dad, you're old. But yeah, we had a quick chat about the olden days, as they put it. And... Let's jump to that conversation right now. Um, I did say I would have some unusual guests this summer. I want to introduce two guests. So I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself. What's your name? Casey. And how old are you? Six. 
And what's your name? Alexandra. And how old are you? Nine. So this is your your first podcast. Are you excited? Yeah. So let's talk about. Um, we went to the um, museum not long ago, the childhood museum. Do you remember that trip? Yes. So what did what did you learn in the the childhood museum? That dinosaurs were um, the dinosaurs um, were um, um, the first things in the whole world. In the whole world. Yeah. What else? What did you notice about the toys? The toys were um, old. Old. What about you? So let, let's talk about the olden days. When I say, when I talk about the olden days, what is the first thing that you guys think of when I say olden days? Um, I think it's quite boring. There's no internet and, and proper phones and no YouTube and games like, like... Hold on, what do you mean proper phones? A proper phone like iPhones. In the olden days, you had to send letters or go to them and talk to them. Yeah, and and in the olden days, there were the boring clothes. So clothes were boring in the olden days? Yes. So what's wrong with, like, sending letters and talking to people? It's quite it, nice going to the house and talking. Okay, but Alex, what, do you, what, what were you saying about um, you had to send letters and talk to people what's wrong with that and you said no proper phones so why aren't other phones proper phones why why is it that only iphones are proper phones because you could facetime you could do more things on it there's um um, invented um youtube and more games that's fun and you could do loads of stuff like you could watch tv as well but they had TV in the olden days. Why Why do we have to watch TV on our phones? Why can't we just watch TV and then call people separately? Because the TVs are small. They're like square um, bricks. No, no widescreen, huh? But our TV is square, but it's quite flat. It's rectangle and it's quite flat. So you think I was born in the olden days? Yes, yes, yes. I think he was born in the 80s. So what do you know about the 80s? Um, that there wasn't an internet and they will have to talk to them and there was, um, and there was 80s jerks. 80s what? Jerks. What's an 80s jerk? That's, that's Beast Meads and Steels. And where did you see that? On Teen Titans Go. Okay. I'll tell you one thing, we had better music than what you've got now. Would you agree? Yes. You would? How about you, Case? Um, a little bit. Who's your favourite musician now? Um, Cardi B and Steph London. You shouldn't have it. You don't have any business liking Cardi B or Steph London. You're nine. How do you know about them? Mummy listens to it in the car sometimes. Yeah. yeah. She always listens to songs in the car every time you go somewhere. Hmm. Okay. So, um, how did we listen to music before Spotify? Do you know? Do you know how? Um, I think on on the radio. Yeah. Anything else? Um, we can listen to the weather. How about you, Alex? On the record mm-hmm. and radio. I don't really know. You know what CDs are? Yeah, I want CDs. 
I think you just have to put it in the TV and then it will um in a, in a radio, then it will stop playing the music. So you guys are lucky that you've got everything. So do you think you could live without the internet? No. How about you? Never. Why? Because it's really entertaining. And you can play loads of games. You can watch loads of slime. And and without um, YouTube, you can't learn stuff. So wait, you're telling me that without YouTube, you can't learn stuff? Yeah. Okay, so when you go to school, do you learn stuff? Yeah, I don't think there were schools in the olden days. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean there wasn't school? So I didn't go to school? <laughs> well, we did learn at home, I think. Interesting. So why do you think you couldn't live without the internet, Alex? Because I like watching slime and it makes me relax. Hold on, wait. What's this slime thing? Why do you care so much about slime? I don't understand. It's really satisfying and you can make different colours and you can put glitter in it and you can make it really nice as well and you can make it at home. It's like an activity. What are the biggest changes you think we'll see in the world in the future? Um, I don't... I don't... I don't quite get that. Okay, if you don't know, that's fine. Uh, maybe Big Sister might get this. What do you think will be the biggest changes we see in the future? Um, there will probably be cars that it, that could drive itself, um, robots, different types of like... Um, maybe you could... Um, yeah, it's all about technology. Right, did you say you, you've got an idea? You can... There's dinosaurs, there's, there's... Wait, 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 wait. Dinosaurs in the future? <laughs> uh, because we probably died. They did! So you think, we're going, you think the world is going to reset itself and then we'll have dinosaurs again? <laughs> is that, is no, that what you... No, 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 I don't think it's not, it's not true. Do you want to see dinosaurs outside? No. Why not? Scary. They might work at home. And they destroy everything. Okay, so um, so what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be um, a barber. I can cut people's hair. I want to be a hairdresser and a YouTuber. I want to be a YouTuber and and I want to vlog about I want to vlog about stuff. You want to vlog about stuff? What kind of stuff do you want to vlog about? Going on holiday and seeing my friends and visiting people and going somewhere fun. Why do you want to be a YouTuber and why do you want to be a hairdresser? First of all, why do you want to be a hairdresser? Because I at home I have loads of dolls that I can style her and I find it fun. And why do you want to be a YouTuber? What's so appealing about being a YouTuber? Help me understand. Um, you can make uh, money. Um, um, you could do more fun stuff. 
you could actually film as a slime you could get um packages of like fan mail um yeah so wait you think youtubers make a lot of money who's the richest youtuber that you know Dorbro brothers i'll say the same so why is it that you think youtubers make a lot of money do you think everyone can make lots of money or is it if they go work a lot and if they make and if they be a YouTuber, and, uh, and there's some YouTubers I know. Like who? Um, Ryan, Kissy, Dan, TDM. Um, yeah, Ryan's famous. Tell me about Ryan. What does he What does he vlog about? He vlogs, he vlogs about a lot of stuff. And he vlogs, and he has to- lots of his toys. And, his, and he even in Starbucks. And Dan, Dan and Ethan, he's a YouTuber who likes to do work so yeah. And he met Dan TDM. Right, okay. Okay, well, thank, thank you for being on the podcast. You're welcome. So where can they follow you on Instagram and, and Twitter? What's your Instagram? Um, it's a bank. You don't have one, boy? You're six? <laughs> I don't have one, but when I'm old, I'll get my own one. Are you sure about that? Anyway, thanks for your contribution. And uh, you'll be back in school on Wednesday. Make sure you subscribe. And link down below if you like the podcast. Give it 10 million likes. More than 10 million, the last number. 65 million. One trillion billion. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed that. Don't forget, if you like this podcast, like, comment, subscribe. I'll say that again. Subscribe, because when you subscribe, it helps the podcast get found by more people. Big shout out to everyone that's been leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts. Really appreciate it. Um, it's definitely noticed. All your support is definitely noticed. And yeah, that is it for this week. We'll be back stronger. I'm not going to call it a new season, but there'll be renewed Vim for September and onwards because now summer's basically over people are going to go back to school uni people are back to work fully you know not so many people on annual leave but yeah but there's always something like Top Boy Top Boy is coming out as well on the 13th really looking forward to that on Netflix let me know if you like that kind of stuff let me know what your thoughts are on Top Boy will you be watching but yeah that is it I'm off. I'll catch you next Monday. Take care and bye for now. Redesigned. Redesigned.